People have so many different reasons for wanting to learn a new language. Maybe you have an upcoming trip or just want to pick up a new hobby or a skill or just connect with a new culture. I know for me, when I was abroad in Barcelona in college, I'm not going to say that I was fluent in Spanish, but I definitely got to the point where I felt really confident conversing. And when I got home, my dad said to me, Emmy, if you don't use it, you're going to lose it. And he was so right. Like I entirely lost it. So Rosetta Stone has been really helpful for me. So if you are in that same boat or you want to learn a new language completely, you want to brush up your skills, whatever it is, I want to tell you about Rosetta Stone because they're the most trusted language learning program available on desktop or as an app. And it really kind of immerses you in the language that you want to learn. So first of all, they're the trusted expert for 30 years with millions of users and 25 languages offered. It's fast language acquisition. So they immerse you in many ways. First of all, there's no English translation. So you really learn to speak, listen, and think in that language, which in my experience, I know I'm getting it when I start to think in the language. It's an intuitive process. So you pick up a language naturally, first with words, then phrases, then sentences. And it's designed for long-term retention. Also, in terms of speech recognition, they have a built-in true accent feature that gives you feedback on your pronunciation and it's convenient. So desktop and app options with audio companion and the ability to download lessons offline. And it's an amazing value. You're getting lifetime access to all 25 language courses Rosetta Stone has to offer for 50% off, which is a steal. Don't put off learning that language. There's no better time than right now to get started. For a very limited time, Comments by Celebs listeners can get Rosetta Stone's lifetime membership for 50% off. Visit rosettastone.com slash comments. That's 50% off unlimited access to 25 language courses for the rest of your life. Redeem your 50% off at rosettastone.com slash comments today. Hi guys, I'm Emma. And I'm Julie. And we're the girls behind Comments by Celebs. And welcome back to another episode of our Kardashian bonus show, season one, episode eight, season finale. Jewel, how you doing? Can you believe it? I'm so happy. This was a ride. Rewatching this entire season one was something I did not know that I needed to do. And I cannot express to you the happiness that I feel for the fact that we did it. Can I tell you what the craziest thing is? Like I was just sitting here thinking like literally in this moment, it was like, I would have been so happy with myself to like, just rewatch it as a personal thing. I can't believe we watch it like, and we, then it's like for the purpose of this. But the thing is, first of all, that's why I always say like, I'm just so unbelievably grateful for like, for being able to do this and for having people that care as much as we do. But I don't know if I would have actually just sat down and watched it. Like it would have been so enjoyable, but I don't know if I would have, you know? Of course you wouldn't. I would have. Isabel would have. You never would have. There's no shot I would have. Like I need this this career is so beneficial for my TV watching habits because it makes me do it. Like I just, I don't know this whole, I'm just having one of those moments again where like this was the most exciting thing ever. And the Courtney Scott fever, the seeing Kim start of this businesswoman, just all of it. I'm telling you guys, we really, if you've come this far in this season, like I'm so glad to have you along for the ride because this was truly so enjoyable. No. It, oh my God. It was the best time. It was, I'm, I'm just so happy. I'm in the best mood right now. I know me too. And I also want to say, so, you know, last week we were kind of talking about what are we going to do going forward? Because as you know, the reason we started doing the season one recap was because season 17 just like randomly went on hiatus. And we were thinking, you know, after this is over, should we go into season two? What do you guys want? And probably I would say 95% of the feedback was like, please keep going, do season two, do season three, you know, keep going till there's season 17 comes back. But there were also some people that wanted more targeted episodes or deep dives. So to make everybody happy, what we're going to do is next week, we're going to take a break and we're going to do a deep dive episode. So that may be on a family member. It may be on one specific episode 
for example, Chloe and Lamar's wedding. I don't know yet. We'll figure it out. Kind of as like a palate cleanser. And then from there, we'll go on to season two. And hopefully, you know, we'll just continue with the seasons up until the season 17 comes because I really think there's something very unique about starting th- from the beginning. It gives you a sense of like understanding today's Kardashians in a much more dynamic way. Don't you think? Absolutely. Yeah. It's, I don't know. It's just, it's just a lot of fucking fun. I cannot wait. Are you ready? Oh my God. Let's, let's just do it. Yeah. Let's get into it. And I want to say that like, if you have a friend in your life, that's a Kardashian enthusiast that enjoys this, just mention that we've been doing this. Cause I feel like a lot of people don't know that we've been recapping season one. And like, we get these DMs from people of like, holy shit, I needed this. I had no idea. So like, just tell a friend, tell a Kardashian friend. And I, I want people to experience this with us. Cause it's like magic. I feel. I so agree. Okay. Let's get into it. So as we know, this was the season finale and scene one, we start with Kim at the dub show, which is a car show that she's hosting. And if you guys remember, you know, back in the day, this was around 2007 time, Kim was doing a lot of these hosting gigs. Courtney and Chloe hadn't started too much, but this was really Kim's prime thing. And, you know, she gets there and she's autographing the magazines. She's taking pictures with the fans. And some guy comes up to her and asks her if she's dating Reggie Bush. And she kind of responds and she's like, you know, I'm not here to talk about my personal life. And in her confessionals, she says, she goes, being in the public eye is really cool and people are recognizing me. It's a real trip. But there's one thing that drives me absolutely crazy about being famous. And that's everyone wanting to know all the details about who I'm dating. And she's saying that one of her duties at the dub show is that she has to announce the performers and the performer is fabulous, the rapper. And she's like, I've only met him one time before, but the tabloids have constantly claimed that we're dating. She's like, so I decided to have fun with it. So she gets on stage and she's like, so the next performer is once rumored to be my, be my boyfriend. So probably after I announce him today, we might get married. And she says in her confessional, she's like, listen, the tabloids come up with these rumors, people that I'm dating. What can you do? Oh, Kim, you jokester. Ah. Loved it. I, I, this is what I, this is what I mean when I say Kim just has that energy and like it just goes to show their different strengths. Remember when Chloe was the host of uh, X Factor? Wow. I forgot about that until you just said it. Yep. Wow. Carly, it was the Carly Rosan and Clara Fifth Harmony that whole season. Yeah. There's a lot of nostalgia coming up for me, Julie. Really. I know. I also want to say that. One, I had no idea that there were ever rumors about her and Fabulous, but that's just funny. But also the energy that she carries here, I appreciated it. Like she knew that she was this new hot girl on the scene. And I just think she exuded so much confidence and I was loving watching, you know, I was just loving it. It's funny because I think she exuded so much confidence confidence for who she was at the time. But like compared to now, it's like, it's a different person. Oh, it's a totally different person. But you have to understand, I mean, then she didn't have this billion dollar empire. She didn't, you know, all these things like for what she was at the time for what her career was. I think she really just owned it. I really do. Oh yeah, Of course. I think she has so many qualities that are so similar that it's like when you're watching, it almost seems like it's like, oh, she's, she's never changed. But like when you actually pay attention to her little mannerisms and the way she is, it's like, it's, it's honestly night and day. It is. And even something that I wanted to mention just in terms of things that stayed consistent. And this was something I noticed throughout the entire episode. And this is also something that any person, famous, not famous, um, you know, uh, waiters, waitresses, anybody that we've ever spoken to has said that Kim Kardashian in person is one of the most like cordial, nice to all staff type of person. And even in this episode, whether it was the audience that she was speaking to, whether it was that valet guy, no matter who it was, she always was so like 
unbelievably polite. And I do not think that was for the cameras. I really genuinely think that just how she treats everyone. I agree. I think that's the one, like one of the only things about her that hasn't changed in the slightest. And if you remember, she said that she learned that lesson from Paris Hilton, which also that's the other thing about Paris. You hear a lot of stuff about Paris Hilton. You don't hear that she's mean. You always hear that she treats everybody around her with like a lot of kindness. And Kim always said that when, you know, when they were growing up and of course Paris was more in the limelight that Paris always said to her, just be nice to everyone. You never know. And I think she really internalized that, you know, don't you think? think Yeah, I do. So next scene, it's Kim, Courtney, and Chloe at Dash. And Kim gets a call from Cindy, her publicist, which did you have the same experience of me as like, oh, Tracy, like you'll, you'll be there soon enough, kid. You know? I love hearing the names of all the old people come up because I don't remember any of them. Yeah, it was like when Steven was doing her makeup last week and I was like, when does Mario come in, you know? Yeah, exactly. So the publicist gets on the phone and she goes, so people have called and I'm a little concerned about it. They were saying that you were hanging out with Terrence Howard over the weekend. Page six called, the post called, but they have really specific things that they're asking me to confirm. By the way, I'm sure most of you know, but Terrence Howard at the time was 37. At the time, he was best known for the movie Hustle and Flow. And of course, now we know him best from Empire. So Kim's like, like what? And in her confessional, she goes, I get a call from my publicist, Cindy, and it's her job to make sure that everything that the press writes about me is true. And Kim's like, I saw him at Butter and I literally, we were completely at separate tables, like across from the room. And we must have waved each other for like a second. And Cindy goes, why would they even think that then? And Courtney goes, I mean, I took a picture with him. And Cindy's like, oh, that's it. They confuse you and Courtney. There you have it. And Kim in her confessional goes, I've been really trying to not let these rumors get to me, but they're really getting out of hand. Okay. Can I say a couple things? <laughs> yeah, because I was thinking to say also, you go first. No, 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 you go first, you go first. I, my only thing is like, I think it's so funny that that's how Kim described the role of a publicist. Wait, that's what I was going to say. That's like, okay. That's, that's what I was not their job. <laughs> okay, so guys, this is word for word what she said. Let me just read. So she says, okay, I get a call from my publicist, Cindy, and it's her job to make sure that everything that the press writes about me is true. What I want to say to you, Julie, number one, that's a hilarious description, but also it, those are moments where it's so clear that this is season one because they realize they have to take the extra steps to explain to us such normal things, quote, normal things now that at the time it was like, maybe you weren't that familiar with the concept of a publicist and like weren't familiar with what they would do for the Kardashians. And it's just so interesting how they had to really set the scene, you know? Yeah, totally. Like literally the role of the publicist, if you actually wanted to describe it, would be like, yes, Cindy's my publicist. It's her job to like figure out what to do when people say a lot of shit about me that isn't true. Right. (laughs) I know. (laughs) Yeah. And just like get her, get her more PR. But it was just interesting because it was almost like she was explaining it to us while also figuring it out for herself, you know? Yeah. It's really funny. And the second thing that I wanted to say was Terrence Howard was just the last person I was expecting. Wait, also, this may be a dumb question or like maybe it really wasn't as deep as I'm making it, but why was she so concerned about the fact that they would have been dating? Because she's dating Reggie at this point? I think, yeah, I think it was because of, as we find out later with the Ryan Seacrest interview, I think things still weren't confirmed with Reggie and she didn't want to like step on any toes. I think, I think. That would make I don't sense. Think it, yeah, I don't think it had anything to do about Terrence specifically. Also, I wanted to say, because I'm sure some of you guys had the same thought when she was saying that they were at Butter. I remember you know, 2007, 2008, butter was the spot. That was the celebrity hotspot. I remember just constantly seeing in people magazine, like Jessica Simpson and whoever it was leaving like constantly. And when she saw, when she said that, it really brought me back, you know? Yeah. Same. 
We were talking about that before. We were like, butter. First of all, when I think butter, no part of me goes to the restaurant. Like, obviously, I think of butter. It's like my favorite food. But also, like, if you were describing something that wasn't butter butter, I would think of the sweatshirts immediately. Oh, my God. I would. That's so funny. I would totally think of the restaurant. I don't know why. That's, that's interesting. I'm shocked because you are a butter girl, and I know it. <laughs> Am I? You are a butter sweatshirt girl, and I, I, I knew it the first time I saw you. <laughs> Julie. Okay. So next, you know, they get home and they're still kind of talking about these rumors and Kim sits down at that famous spot in the Calabasas house. It's the same spot that she's video chatted with Reggie at. It's, we see her doing a lot of stuff from this one laptop and she's looking at the articles and she's like, bootylicious Kim Kardashian has a new man. The beauty has been out on the town with hunky actor, Terrence Howard. They were all over each other. She was sitting on his lap and he was rubbing her butt. And she clicks on another article that's like, who's dating Kim Kardashian? And she's going down the list and she goes, okay, let's see how many are true. She starts listing them all and she goes, okay, four out of 10. The four out of 10 were Reggie Bush, Ray J, Nick Cannon, and Nick Lachey. And just were you you that that they zoomed in on the screen so that we could know exactly which four? I was thankful for you because you were doing the outline. Very thankful. No, just in general, because a lot of the times when they do shit like that, like they don't actually tell you. They're like four out of ten correct, and then it moves on. You don't know which specifically they were talking about. Yeah, it was almost like we saw the answers to her BuzzFeed quiz. You know. Yes. So we we added in a little research because I think that you guys would find this interesting. So we know Reggie Bush, two thousand seven to two thousand ten. Okay. Ray J, on the internet, it says that they dated from 2005 to 2007 on and off, but the sex tape was made in 2002, so we're not entirely sure of the timeline. Nick Cannon, they dated from 2006 to 2007, and apparently they broke up because of the sex tape. And what Nick said on the Howard Stern Show was, quote, this is my issue. We talked about the tape, and she told me there was no tape. She's actually one of the nicest people you'll ever meet, but the fact that she lied and told me there was no tape. And then Nick Lachey They went on one date to see The Da Vinci Code in 2006, and he said, quote, she left about halfway through and went to the restroom, and then shockingly, there were 25 pots for Aussie when we left the theater. That's what he told Andy Cohen in an interview. He goes, I think there were other things in play at our little rendezvous. I did not know about Nick Cannon. Now, I knew they did, but I had no idea that they broke up because of the sex tape. I somehow knew that. I totally forgot about Nick Lachey. Like, really, truly, until- I knew Nick Cannon and not Nick Lachey. I think it's because I've always just had an interest in Nick Cannon. I don't know why. You know that I was like a wild and out stan for a little while, right? No, I didn't. Oh, Julia, I was a wild. I like had a dream about being on it. No joke. You should go on. <laughs> Nick Cannon, she wants to go on. Sign her up. She wants to do it. <laughs> I can't. I can't. Like, the thought of it. I'm getting such secondhand embarrassment. Also, by the way, just speaking about how we always talk how Hollywood is this like constant pool of everybody dating the same people. I cannot think of people that have dated more people than like Nick Cannon, Nick Lachey. Can, you know what I mean? They just all operate within the same ecosystem. Yeah. I, you know? I agree. Also, you know what's funny is that like, this is why it's good that we work together. Like you knew Nick Cannon. I knew Nick Lachey. We put it together. We have a full thing. Yeah. Our lack of memory is complimentary actually. I think. I agree. Right? I agree. <laughs> So, you know, Kim's reading and she goes, I cannot believe that they have this as if it's fact. And Chloe's like, wait, why does mom have the picture of you as her screensaver and not me? And Courtney's like, because mom gets 10%. <laughs> Which the 10% like, joke never gets old. It never gets old. And it's just interesting how as we get older, as we get older, as they get older, it transfers from K 
Kim to Kylie to like both of them. But you know what I mean? By the way, we're also getting older. I know. I just like forgot for a second. You know, the 10% joke really like gets me the happiest when it's in the form of a comment. Oh, there was one. I forget exactly what it was, but I remember. Yes. Yes. When Chris commented on Cardi and we were like, screenshot the fuck out of that. We have to put that up. I know. Something that really upsets me, by the way, is like, we'll post anything even... We we hold off on posting so much Kardashian content because we know that although our podcast audience are fans, that like somehow our followers just aren't that, that, that big of fans or they really like hating. And like, we'll post one thing that's just universally funny and the haters come out of the woodwork. And it's like, could you chill for literally 10 seconds? Like just 10, you know? Yeah, literally, I know. It's so infuriating. Anyway, so um, Chloe and Courtney are trying to get her to stop reading the stuff and telling Kim, like, listen, it's stupid to fixate on it. And Kim in her confessional goes, Courtney and Chloe are saying it's not a big deal, and all of our friends and family know it's not true, but the whole world thinks it's true. So I'm already booked to appear on the Ryan Seacrest radio show, and I think this is the perfect opportunity for me to set the record straight. And Kim is talking to Scott and Courtney. Oh my God, you guys are gonna love this. Kim's talking to Scott and Courtney and she goes, I'm so excited to go on Ryan Seacrest in the morning because I just feel like I can clear up all these rumors of all these guys that I supposedly dated. He'll ask me funny questions and I can finally give him the answers. And they'll all realize I'm not a slore bag. And Scott goes, you're not a slore and you know it. And Kim goes, I know, I'm totally anti-slore. I'm totally the anti-slore. And Scott picks up Courtney, throws her over his shoulders and goes, you're not a slore. She goes, you're not a slur. He goes, you're not a slur, but let's go make pretend you are for the night. Come on, slur. Julie! I, I can't. I, I, I can't. That was my favorite line of like the whole season, I think. I, I'm sorry. Like, okay, two things were happening while this was happening. As I was watching this episode, which was like an hour ago, because I always watch it right before we record, so it's fresh in my mind. One of my friends, my friend Jess, was sending me Courtney and Scott posts from 2013 on Instagram, like, because she really scrolled back. And it was the, the, like, the two of those things merging me, watching it on screen and also watching their, like, Instagram relationship. I was having an out-of-body experience. Like, I needed I this, like, you know? I, I so know. Also, the other thing, by the way, about them that I really appreciate is like, there are so many couples at the time that were so cute. Like, for example, Reggie and Kim were a cute couple, but the way that Courtney and Scott were so sexually open with the audience and with the family was so fun to watch. And they were so fun. Like, they had been dating for a while at this point, and I feel like they never lost that little, like, spark they had. Yes, it was almost like they you felt like they were in their honeymoon phase, even though they were in, like, a very committed relationship still I know I love it I love it love it love it I want them back together I can't if, if we never watched the season I don't think I would have ever gotten to that point that, that enough like that in itself solely you in addition to all these people that inbox us about it but specifically you feeling that way is like worth it enough for me that we're doing this well because really. the most like a, prior to Sophia right like we have an x amount of time with Sophia which like took up so much of my brain space of like them being together and me loving them together. And I, and I still stand by that. I still like, if they got back together, I would be so fine with that because I really like them together. But then previous to that, my memories of Courtney and Scott that kind of like take up my brain space are all like negative memories. I forgot what it was like when they were like happy and positive. And I think it's a mixture of watching this season, but also there are so many TikTok sounds of Courtney and Scott where I'm like, they sound happy there. I'm like, it, mm-hmm. it like brings me back. I forgot what it was like when they were good. Well, by the way, TikTok, for anybody that isn't on TikTok or isn't aware, TikTok is fully on a Courtney and Scott campaign. 
Like they really support this mission entirely I to the point that they even say, I like, I, I like took a sip and just like did a little bit of a spit take just now because I thought you were going to say for anybody who's not on TikTok, TikTok is this app where <laughs> <laughs> no. <laughs> TikTok is so team scon corny to the point where they put down Sophia, which I really hate because like the two can coexist. Like this is the biggest thing that I wish could just be known more generally, which I know our audience agrees with. Cause I genuinely feel like we have a very positive uplifting audience of like, you can, both things can be true. You can want Corny and Scott together and also think Scott and Sophia are a great couple and think that Sophia is a beautiful, proud woman. And the two do not have any sort of, um, any sort of conflict, you know? Yeah. You can want them to be a thruple if you want. There's no limit to what you can want. Exactly. Exactly how I feel. So, okay. Oh, I have one last thing. I'm sorry. I, every time the Scott and Courtney stuff comes up, I just get so caught up. But I think you guys will agree with this. And I wanted to tell you this too, Julie. I realized something else. And I know this is a personal thing, but I'm curious if anybody else is having this reaction. So, you know, when you're watching something like this, especially a reality show, and you're watching so in-depthly, like this young relationship at the time, they're in their early 20s, it's kind of like us. You put yourself in the shoes of the people that you're watching. And something about myself that I've noticed just throughout like previous relationships is that I enjoy PDA, not to the point where it's disrespectful, but I really appreciate when like my partner can be affectionate around my family, around people and like, isn't embarrassed. And again, not in like a disrespectful way, but like, I want you to hold my hand. I want you to like occasionally kiss me and make it not weird. And something that I'm realizing that I like this so much is because I love Scott's comfort with doing that without making it disrespectful. And like, I think I, I see that in like, the partner that I want. And it just, it, I don't, you know what I'm saying? Yes. And I think that the best way to explain that is that I think that appropriate PDA in front of family, not only like shows where your relationship's at, but it more shows like the comfort with the family, which I think is a huge factor. Huge factor specifically here, you know? Right. And I think that's also specifically why you like it because people who are uncomfortable around like their partner's family, like tend to like they probably wouldn't show PDA. Like they're very like stiff around them. Like it, it's like them getting comfortable, like, you know, but like when you're comfortable and you're in it and you know that like that, you, you know, their family and you're comfortable with their family, like the PDA thing is just becomes natural. Yeah. Not for everyone. Some people are always opposed to it, but yes, completely. Well, and for me, you know, because some families like don't want to see it at all. Yeah. But I'm also saying it depends on the person. Like there are some people that are just so opposed to that. Like it's just a personal thing. They don't deal with that. But I totally agree with you. Cause yeah, for me, like, with, yes, I agree. Okay. Moving on. Sorry. <laughs> I know the last, I know the last two episodes I've been making a lot of comparisons to my own life and I'm sorry. I don't mean to, I just have been having these like moments that come up. Okay. Yeah, people like when you do that. I don't know. I feel like very narcissistic and I want to move on, but I just like can't help but say it because it just comes up. So Mother's Day is coming up and I know sometimes it can be difficult figuring out what to get your mom because realistically no gift is going to do justice for how much you love and appreciate her. But I'm sure you've done the classic, you know, bathrobe, candle, sweaters, gift cards. If you're looking to mix it up, I want to tell you about Aura Frames. So they were named the best digital photo frame by Wirecutter. And it's just the kind of gift that is guaranteed to bring joy because realistically, there's nothing our parents love more than seeing us. So for them to be able to see more of us, even if you don't live close by, like that is probably the best gift you could give a parent. They're Wi-Fi connected. They come with unlimited storage. So you can share as many photos as you want from your phone to your mom's frame. And it's easy to set up. It takes about two minutes to set up a frame using the Aura app. We have one in my kitchen. And every time my dad comes down for breakfast, like it just makes him so happy. There's pictures of me, pictures of me and my parents when I was little, pictures of my grandparents. Like 
I think as a parent, you never get sick of that. And it's just the kind of gift I know she will love. Right now, Aura has a great deal for Mother's Day. Listeners can save on the perfect gift by visiting AuraFrames.com to get $30 off plus free shipping on their best-selling frame. That's A-U-R-A-Frames.com. Use code CBC at checkout to save. Terms and conditions apply. Next scene. So we are at the Ryan Seacrest show and it's Kim, Chloe, and Courtney. They're all on. And Ryan's like, so... Uh, Kim was listening earlier this morning. We were talking about your history of the social scene and social circle. And Kim goes, yeah, you know, I just want to set the record straight. Let's be honest. Ask me everything. And he goes, well, it's going to be very easy. Let me start with the list of guys. So first he asked about Joe Francis and she's like, no way. It's my sister's friend. Then she, he asked about Pete Wentz, which like, <laughs> were you like, where the fuck do you come from? I, I know. But then once he said this, what, once her answer was, I knew where it came from. Yeah. She goes, no, but I did kiss him. I was in his video and we had a kissing scene, but I also kissed the monkey in that video. It was the thanks for the memories video. Isn't that so By ironic way, I, that you did it? I was going to say, everybody just like take a moment after this episode and go watch it. You'll appreciate it. Did you watch it? Because I did. It was, it like, it killed me. Yeah. Yeah, I did. I, also, I was sad too. Something that really makes me laugh. I have actually two things to say before we continue. One thing that really makes me laugh is the idea of Kim having to like put on, like, like seek out jobs, like having somebody seek out jobs for an agent, seek out jobs where she's in a music video, but like refuses to dance. Like the idea of that, of like her agent having to contact like Fall Out Boy, I mean like, yeah, she'll be in your music video, but you can't make her dance is probably the funniest thing in the entire world to me. Hilarious. Kind of like Fergie Milkman. Right. And the second thing that I was going to say is that something I found to be so classic Kim is that like the whole time she's talking to Courtney and Kim I mean, Courtney and Chloe, and she's like, yeah, but I'm going on Ryan tomorrow. So like, I can just clear everything up. Like, I'll, I'll just do it when I'm on there. And like, meanwhile, they're on too. I, by the way, I was fully expecting it to be a solo interview. And then I get there, we get there, I get there, we get there and no, they get there. <laughs> We're not there. We're just watching. <laughs> they get there and Chloe and Courtney are mic'd. And I was like, wait, what the fuck? I fully thought that they were just going for emotional support, which kind of just is really just a metaphor for the entire season or the early seasons as to how much of the center of attention Kim was. And I don't think they minded, but I just didn't even realize. I know, um, I just thought it was so funny. Carry on. Yeah, so anyway, so <laughs> thanks. So Ryan asked about Terrence Howard and Kim's like, oh, this story is hysterical. And Courtney's like, I was the one sitting on his lap that night. <laughs> and... Ryan gets to Reggie Bush and he, she's like, um, Reggie and I are good friends. And Ryan goes, a couple of things. There was um, a pregnant pause. Then you shifted eye contact. Have you ever seen Reggie Bush with his shirt off? And she goes, yeah, I mean, aren't there lots of commercials and stuff with his shirt off? And Ryan goes, so we're going to put that as a yes. But there's definitely a potential there because you do think he's cute. And Kim goes, no, no. I said to myself, I'm going to be single for a year. This is the only time in my life that I can focus on work. I have no time away from my family. If you date me, it's like you're dating my whole family. And Ryan, got, Ryan goes, oh God, oh God, you're dating Chris too. By the way, before we get into it, I just want to say that the way that Kim answered this question kind of like playfully and really not giving too much, but also giving enough for there to be a headline just goes to show in my opinion that like this is the version of Kim that we see on talk shows now and frequently discuss of how poised she is and how much she was made for this is the same Kim, just a lot more refined now. But like, she always had that in her. Yes. I, and I've always said that that's just a natural talent that she had. Mm-hmm. It is. And also, I do think- oh, you go. No, 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 go. I was just going to say that, like, I thought that Brian wording that question, like that was so weird. Which question? Have you ever seen Reggie with a shirt off? Like, that's such a weird way to ask that. I know. I think he was trying to, I don't know. It was was kind of. Cabo with a shirt off. Does that mean we're dating? 
Like, honestly, by that logic. Maybe. Maybe. <laughs> in that case, like, there's so... In that case, me and Jason Momoa are, like, more than dating. We are fully fucking, like, in love, you know? I got a picture on my phone of Justin Bieber that proves we're dating, if that's the case. <laughs> Seriously. So, Ryan thanks them for coming in. They leave. They walk into a separate room. And Chris is like, you know, that was so great. And she's like, do you feel good? Like, do you feel like you cleared up all the rumors? And Kim's like, I feel like with the rumor thing, it happens to everyone. And I get really sensitive about it when it's so not true. And Chris is like, I think you just have to toughen up a little bit, get a little tougher skin. Cause that's going to start happening all the time. In that moment, I literally felt like, ja, ja, ja. Like as if, <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> no, no, no. Hold on, hold on, hold on. The way you just done, done, done was like, why'd you harmonize the first done? <laughs> you said it. You're like, done, 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 done. You did a full scale. Like, I, who knew? You literally, like, Je- you were Jennifer Hudson in that moment. I don't know. I don't know what just got into me. I'm so sorry. I don't know what just happened. But like when I was a singer. I know. I don't know. I don't know what happened. Um, I'm like flushing. <laughs> no, but um, what I was going to say is that in that moment, it goes to show like, yes, Chris, this is going to start happening a fuck ton and she is going to get tougher skin. And like, it's so crazy that they have these moments on camera. That's what I, you know? Yeah, it is crazy. There was a moment later on, I'll bring, remind me to bring this up because I think you'll know what I'm talking about. There's a moment later on where I was like, you are so lucky you have this footage. Yeah, I know what you're going to, I know what you mean. I think I know. Okay. Next scene, Kim is in the car driving in her white Range Rover and she gets a call from Trish, who as the title is tabloid magazine assistant editor. And Trish goes, listen, I want to tell you something. I could get fired for telling you this, but I think it's the right thing to do. So there's this photographer guy who's been trying to shop these photos of you and your sister and trying to sell them to our magazine. It's a naked picture of you and your sister, and there's some guy in it too. I just thought you should know. And Kim goes, wait, me and my sister together? And Trish said, yeah, he said it was you and your sister and some guy. And Kim and her confessional is like, I know where these pictures came from. I thought I was already done with this. Let me tell you something before we continue. If there were more people in the industry like Trish, Hollywood Hollywood would be a much happier and safer place. I completely agree. That is a stand-up thing to do. That is like, I'm going to choose my morality and this woman's like right to her privacy over clickbait or at this time, like magazine bait. And I just think it's, I completely, completely agree with you. I had a lot of respect for whoever this person is. You know, we had the internet then, right? Yeah, but I still think, no, obviously I know we had the internet, but I still think that magazines were like so much more of a thing then than like a BuzzFeed article, you know? Yeah. I mean, there was TMZ online, but yeah, I know what you mean. I know, but think about in 2007, you were reading people. Me up tonight. <laughs> Am I? I'm literally cracking me up tonight. I think that's something that you guys should know is that when we record this episode, we do it on Tuesday night. And so we have like Wednesday, you know, we go back, we do any edits, et cetera. But we always, we have like the entire day to do it on Tuesday. It's not like there's any rush, but we always wait till after midnight or like around 11, 12, just because we feel like our energy is the most um, exciting at, at this time. And I knew it. I said to Julia, I was like, we're going to have so much fun because I'm just feeling so alive. Don't you? Yeah, same. Yeah. I do my best work at, at midnight. Yes, you really do. Okay. So Kim walks into the Calabasas house and she's crying. And this was kind of like our introduction to Kim's crying face. And she's calling Chris and Chris is like, what's wrong? What's wrong? And she goes, those pictures of Courtney. And she sees Courtney 
and Chloe pulling up to the house and she's like, Courtney, they're there. I can't even face them. I don't want to talk to Courtney. So she runs off crying and she's in her bedroom hysterically crying. And she's like, it's all my fault. You know what I mean? And Chris goes, listen, we're going to get to the bottom of this. Okay. By the way, I know if you guys didn't watch this episode, you're wondering like, what the fuck are these pictures? We're going to get to that in literally one minute. Chris kind of does a big reveal. So I, I want to do it in order. Anyway, so Kim is just visibly distraught and she's really upset about facing Caitlin. And Chris is like, please don't cry. I'm sorry, Kim. I'm really sorry. I don't know what to do. And what I thought was really beautiful here was that these were pictures of Courtney, which again, we'll get into in literally a minute, but you can see Kim is not worried at all for herself. Like she is just feeling so bad about the fact that she is, she feels responsible for this leak happening. And she's like, it's Courtney. I'm responsible for ruining someone's life. And Chris goes, Kim, you're not responsible for something Courtney did in high school. And this is when Chris says in her confessional, she goes, when Courtney was in high school, she unfortunately took some pictures of her and her boyfriend together without any clothes on. And Kim's crying. She's like, I can handle this. It's just Courtney. I've been through this. And Chris is like, Kim, you were 16 years old. And she's like, but it was all my fault. You know what I mean? And in her confessional, Chris says, Kim stole Courtney's pictures as a practical joke, but at some point she lost them. And Chris is like, we have to deal with the problem and not blame ourselves right now. And in her confessional, Kim is like, I'm the one that stole these from Courtney and left them around for somebody to get their hands on. And I feel awful that because of me taking these from her, it's going to ruin her life. One thing before we get into the rest of the scene that I have a question for you, am I missing something or what was the, what was the in between, between someone saying that Kim was also in these pictures to it just being Courtney and her boyfriend? Like, was that just a, someone was misspeaking or Kim was in the photos? What was the deal there? I was confused about that also, obviously. I don't think Kim was in the photos, but I think that whoever was shopping them around knew that having Kim's name attached to it made them stronger. So even if Kim wasn't actually in the picture, to say like Kim and Courtney naked photos like would make the magazine more like enticed to buy them. I don't know. I thought that was weird too, but I, from everything I'm hearing, like I don't think this has anything to do with like Kim actually being in the photos. Yeah. You know, at first, to be honest with you, by the way, this was one of those times when I obviously remembered the scene, but I didn't remember the details. Like I forgot that it was Chloe, uh, Courtney and her boyfriend. I thought that it was like naked photos of Courtney and Kim, which in the beginning I was like, okay, that makes sense. But then once Courtney's boyfriend was involved, I was like, listen, that family is close, but not close enough to like take naked pictures with your sister's boyfriend, you know? Right. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I think it's also possible that like whoever called Kim, Trish, my girl, um, just like had the wrong information. Like yeah. it was like a game of telephone and something just got lost in translation. Right. That was just a moment where I wish she would have explained that to us. But anyway, so Chris walks out of the room and Kim is, you know, hysterical. And Chris is like, okay, I need to get Chloe. I need to talk to her. So she brings Chloe aside and she's like, listen, I've got a problem. Kim's in the other room. She's really upset. Do you remember those pictures that were taken when you guys were in high school and Chloe's like Courtney's photos? And Chris is like, yes, they've resurfaced and we've got a big problem because somebody was trying to sell the pictures to a magazine. So you need to help, you know, keep Courtney busy. And Chloe's like, she's not going to tell her. And Chris is like, she's going to tell her. She needs time. It's very stressful in there. Just go get her. Keep her busy until I deal with Kim. And in Chris's confessional, she's like, listen, as mad as I am at these girls, what I really need to do is just get a grip and figure it out. I want to say before we continue with the scene, because it was really intense, like say what you want about Chris. And I think there are so many people that are like, she's a bad mom. How could she be okay with this? Whatever. In this moment, the last thing you need to be doing is reprimanding your daughter for doing something quote scandalous. What you need to be doing is exactly what she is, which is comforting Kim and also dealing with the logistics of it. So to me, like I thought she handled this beautifully. Yes. And I thought she handled it. Let me backtrack for a second. 
I think there are times, Chris, where she takes two different approaches and we still see this, where it's like handling it as a momager and handling it as a mom. And sometimes those two things are very different. Sometimes they overlap, but sometimes those two things have very different approaches and very different goals. But I think that, and I think that's where a lot of Chris's criticism comes from. But I think in this moment, this is one where it like overlapped perfectly, where she handled it absolutely best case scenario as she could as a mom, but also best case scenario as she could as a manager. Totally agree with you. Totally agree. So Chris goes back into Kim's room and she's like, you know, Kim's on the phone with her lawyer and the lawyer goes, is there any indication that anyone was told that these, when these photos were taken? And Kim goes, I think people know they were 10 years ago. And the lawyer goes, the pictures are obvious that Courtney is underage. The fact that she's underage makes them illegal. And Chris is like, okay, good point. So Chris in her confessional is like, this is a child pornography case. These kids are teenagers. They're in high school. They're underage and anyone who'd be selling or buying these photos, it's a federal offense. And Chris says to the lawyer, she's like, okay, so we can go after the guy who sold them. And the lawyer's like, yes. And in her confessional, Kim says, you know, the last person who had access to these pictures that I know of was my ex-husband. By the way, for anybody who's unaware, because I did not know this name off the top of my head either, Kim's ex-husband is Damon Thomas. And she was 19 when they got married. He was 10 years older than her. The marriage lasted three years from 2000 to 2003. And Kim claimed that the divorce papers he had, you know, Kim claimed in the divorce papers that he had become controlling. And she said, you know, she said this later that she was on ecstasy when they got married. I still, by the way, I know this is like the least important storyline about this whole episode, but like, I will never get over this. I will never, I will never have a moment where I hear this news that she was married for three years in 2000 and not be like, holy shit. Same. And, And I think that it's actually crazy that we forget about it so often because I think it says it goes so much like who she is as a person. Cause I think she grew up very quickly after that fact. And I think it makes a lot of sense. Why? Totally. And also, by the way, just something that I wanted to quickly mention, I think that we will just continue to recap the seasons. Like, you know, whenever the current season is on hiatus and a lot of people were messaging us and we're like, holy shit, I cannot wait for you guys to get to the seasons with Chris Humphreys. Cause you will not understand how Kim like was in that. And this whole episode just got me thinking of how excited I am to like really deeply analyze those dynamics. Cause I never, ever understood that relationship. Yeah. The only thing that ever made sense of that relationship. And she said it multiple times was the fact that Chloe was married to Lamar and that Courtney had Scott and Kim felt like kind of the odd one out. And she felt like, you know, she wanted to get married. She wanted to have kids. She wanted to start that part of her life. So I think she just picked who she was with and didn't really think about like, is this person my, is this my person I want? She's like, I love this person. Like, why not? And then I think in retrospect, she was like, what the fuck was I thinking? Like she put the idea of marriage and the idea of having a family above like the, actually the person that she was going to be doing that with. Yeah. And on paper, I mean, Chris Humphreys was, you know, everything tall. that you wanted. Well, yeah. I mean, tall NBA player. Fuck it. I thought he was so hot. I don't know if that was just me, but I was like very into him. But then just everything about his demeanor was so. I always thought he was a knockoff Blake Griffin. He was the Walmart Blake Griffin. Oh, Blake Griffin is so sexy, Julie. Yeah, exactly. He's so fucking sexy. Oh my God. Okay. Sorry. Doing your hair has the potential to be such a time-consuming process if you're not using products that really work for you and honestly really work with you. And for me, I'd say generally speaking, my hair is pretty easy to manage, but it does get frizzy. I have a lot of split ends. So I'm always looking for things to manage the frizz. And recently I've been into a new product from Way. It's their anti-frizz cream. So it's a really lightweight cream. It provides immediate frizz control that lasts up to 72 hours and also heat protection up to 450 degrees. So you're kind of killing two birds with one stone. 
Now, the thing I really like about it is that it helps reduce and repair split ends while quenching dry hair with intense hydration. So you can feel like it just feels good on your hair. For me, I get out of the shower. I always spray in the leave-in conditioner. I've told you guys about that before, but I love it. A little anti-frizz cream and you're good to go. I also, I mean, I love a lot of things from Way, but I like their detox shampoo. I don't use that every week, maybe once a week, maybe once every other week, but I feel like it gives my hair a really, really good clean. Frizz free up your schedule with Way. Go to T-H-E-O-U-A-I.com and enter promo code CELEBS for 15% off any product. That's T-H-E-O-U-A-I.com, promo code CELEBS. So the next scene, Courtney and Chloe are in the living room and, you know, Courtney's saying like, we really need to find Kim. We need to figure out the buying, I'm assuming for Dash. And Chloe's like, listen, we're going to, we're going to go on Sunday. And she's really trying to distract her. So Courtney's trying to, she's like, come on, let's go see if she's free. And Chloe is looking at a magazine, trying to distract Courtney. And like, they're both sitting there reading these magazines and they're flipping through, which like, I don't know, there's just something crazy. One about watching, seeing anyone look through magazines in the way that they were like, considering the fact that magazines at the time were like one of the prominent sources of tabloids, but also like the Kardashians looking at the magazines and analyzing other celebrities was a bug out to watch. And Chloe's like, oh, look, Baron's in here. And Courtney's like, what? And she's like, Baron's in the mag. I assume they were talking about Baron Hilton, right? Oh, interesting. I was thinking it was around the same time that Baron Trump was born and it was the photos of him that they had released when he was first born. But Baron Hilton makes much more sense. Oh, I didn't even think of that. I think it must have been... It must have been Baron Hilton. Baron Hilton. They wouldn't have cared about Baron Trump. Yeah, exactly. Also, they wouldn't have even like known him by name. They would have said like Trump's son. I feel Baron like Baron Trump know? being born was a big deal. I remember. No, it was. I just think the way they were talking about it was Baron Hilton. Yeah, that's such an interesting point. I loved magazines. I miss the feeling of like flipping through a magazine. Oh, same. So Chris is in the other room with Kim, and they're on the phone now with Kim's ex-husband. And Chris is the one that's on the phone. And she's like, you know, I just want to give, I just want Kim to give you a heads up of how far this is going. And Kim in her confessional is like, so I call my ex-husband and he seems to have an idea of who could be causing this trouble. A friend that once stayed at his house. And Chris says to the ex, she goes, did he take these from your house? Did he ever tell you he was going to sell them? And then um, she paused and she's like, no, he wouldn't tell you that. Okay. And in her confessional, Chris is like, the one thing I know we have to do is listen to the people that are trying to help us and not try to take control of this whole situation myself. This is a case for the FBI. You had that moment too, right, Julie? Well, I just think it's so funny because I forgot that, like the context of that quote. And I just think it's funny because the way we use it is like as a joke. But in this case, it was literally a case for the FBI. No, I, that's exactly the thought that I had. And I'm sure if you guys listen, <laughs> I'm going to say if you guys listen to our podcast, like, fuck it, <laughs> like, you guys obviously know the fact that we always, anytime something happens in television or a movie where we realize that's where the meme comes from or that's where the gift comes from, we like, it comes to us. And in that moment, I had that exact same experience of like, wait a second, this is being used by us too. So casually, so like fun. Meanwhile, this was literally a child pornography case. And also it's funny because we use it making fun of Chris in the sense of like, when you, when you, it's funny because I had this whole thing played out in my head of what I thought that quote was from. And for some reason, I thought it was just like something really like funny and casual that they were trying to figure out. And like Chris being dramatic in a confessional was like, this is a case for the FBI. Mm -hmm. And like, I had it in my head of like how that act that played out. And when it happens here, I was like, I feel like when people see this as a meme, they don't realize that she was being serious in that moment either. They definitely have no idea because if if we don't have an idea, the average person doesn't have an idea. You know? I know. Isn't that crazy though? Yeah. 
So Kim's lawyer is like, listen, I just got off the phone with Special Agent Bernie. He's FBI. They'd like to arrange a meeting with you as soon as possible and they can come to you. So Kim's like, so do you think any pictures are going to get out by tomorrow? And the lawyer's like, listen, I can't answer that one for you because we don't know what this guy has done, but we do know that he's emailed a couple of the photos. So Courtney and Chloe are still in the room. They're looking at magazines and Chloe's like, Angelina has great boobs. And Courtney, <laughs> I was like, she does, <laughs> like great observation. And Courtney's just like fed up and she's like, you know, I got to go. So she knocks on the door that the room Kim's in and Kim's like, I don't want to talk to her. I can't do it. And Chris goes out and she's like, listen, we'll tell you what's going on. Just give us a minute. And she's like, you're hiding it. It's just bizarre. And in her confessional, Chris is like, you know, the two of us can barely bear the thought of telling Courtney what's going on. We know we have to because the FBI is on the way, but like, basically this was a shitty situation that they were constantly, they were dreading and like, it was going to happen at any moment now. And I just could sense the anxiety in the room. Couldn't you? Yeah, very much so. So Kim's like, listen, I got to just tell Courtney and get it over with. So they go into the living room. Chris is like, Courtney, we have something that we need to share with you. And Kim's like, guess what's come back to haunt us. Kim, by the way, is hysterical. And Courtney's like, my sex pictures. And in her confessional, Courtney says, she's like, in a weird way, I was kind of prepared for this because these pictures have always been haunting me. And Kim explains to her that, you know, they got a call from someone saying that an agency is trying to shop them around. And in her confessional, Courtney's like, these pictures were a private thing that I took with my boyfriend a long time ago. And I never thought that anybody would see them. And Kim says to her, she's like, listen, I don't care what they say about me, but when they say it about you, like that's when I can't handle it. And Kim says in her confession, she's like, listen, Courtney is so non-emotional, but I know that she's probably really worried and really scared. She's like, but then again, you know, we've gone through this before. And what Chris says, she's like, listen, I think that when this happened with Kim the first time around, it was really a disaster. And even though we ended up winning her lawsuit, she took that on herself without any of us. And once we all got involved, that's when the whole thing turned around. She's like, so this time we went straight to the FBI and that's who's coming over here now. The police, the FBI, and the attorney. Holy shit. I know. Like, like imagine if these weren't the Kardashians. Like, just for your average family, this is a fucking big deal, you know? Yeah, it is. It's a huge deal. I, I do think, though, like taking away of course the element of her being a child in the photos and like child pornography because that no matter what year it's a huge fucking deal and absolutely disgusting but like let's say in the pictures Courtney was 22 or something I think that now these would be less of a quote panic as it was at the time because I think just like nudity in general is so much more like OnlyFans is a thing and like it's so much more widely accepted of course the child pornography separates the case but I'm saying that if this was just a regular like nude leak I don't think that it would have been met with the same panic in today's day and age what do you think well no I agree with you but I think that the reason for that is is it's less about like it's not that big of a deal to have nudes which we all know it's not and it's more like in this day and age it was like oh my god Courtney your nudes cannot get out because like it'll ruin your career like people will look so down upon you Everything. And I think for a really long time, even after this, that was the case. And I think we're just now starting to get to a place where it's like, it, it's not even about your career, whatever, or people looking down on you or whatever the public perception is going to be. It's more like we understand what an invasion of privacy and how like, how awful that is as a feeling for you to have your privacy violated like that. And so much less about like the actual idea of the fact that you were taking naked photos. Exactly. No, that's exactly what I want. That's like such a perfect way to put it. And that's what I want to say. Like now the focus would be on how terrible it is that there was an invasion of privacy. And if a brand or a company or whatever it was wanted to not work with the person because their news were leaked, they would get shit. Do you know what I'm saying? 
Right. Like the whole, and that was what's interesting to watch now because I always say like, it's really hard to watch these episodes with tw- like with 2020 goggles, knowing it's 2007, 2007. Like sometimes you have to really try hard to shut off that part of your brain because the way we view things is so different now. And I, I think we all find ourselves like it, not just Kardashians, like anything when things come back where you're like, how is that? Okay. How'd they do that? They have to know better. But like, at the time, that was the mentality. Like, we can't change what the mentality and what the culture was in 2007. That We can't go back in time and be like, that is not what they should have been concerned about. Like, they shouldn't have been concerned about her career. They should have been more concerned about her privacy. Like, we can't change the fact that that's what the culture was. So it's really hard looking back on that and not, you know, automatically doing that because we think so differently now. But I really think that it's so interesting as a point to see how far we have come in that regard. And I think it's only just now that we're starting to move that way. Like only in the past two or three years, I think we've really made that change. I so agree with you. It is so recent. It's such a recent change. I would I would say the past two years, and even still, we're not fully there. But like the 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 it, the shame elements, and again, it's still there. Like I'm I'm not saying that it's not. Please don't think that I'm saying that. But the shame element has definitely become so much less in, in terms of like the way the public shames people in that regard. And I think it's it's healthy. Like you are allowed again, not this case because of the child pornography element of it. But I'm saying like you are allowed to take naked pictures and feel great about your body and take naked pictures with your boyfriend. And like that is your right. There's nothing wrong with doing that. And I think society is accepting that. And what's so fucking interesting and so ironic about this is like part of the reason that I want to be very careful with my words here because I'm not giving the Kardashians credit for this. But part of the reason that nude pictures are more are circulating more freely is partially because of Kim Kardashian and and their willingness to kind of do this type of thing. I mean, think about Kim's Webby speech, nude selfies till I die. Like she is one of the celebrities that had made that a thing. And it's so interesting that the very thing they were panicked about is the very thing that she was going to become so comfortable with. Well, that's what happens when you take the power away. And the the best example I can think of right now is of most recent is Bella Thorne. And I think that showed A, the ability to take the power back and be like, listen, if you're going to leak these, fuck you. Like I'll leak them myself. I don't care. And the reaction that was, you know, at Whoopi Goldberg, when Whoopi Goldberg was on The View saying like, listen, like if you're going to take these photos, then you have to know that like they're going to get leaked or somebody's going to hack them. And everyone was like, that's so not the point. Like, I think that was the first time where somebody criticized, you know, the taking of the nude photos where they actually came back and were like, and everyone actually came back and was like, that's so not the point here. Like, how are you going to miss the point of like, and think that it's worse to have, to have taken the photos in the first place? How is that worse than somebody invading your privacy and selling these photos and exploiting you? Mm-hmm. Exactly. That's such a good example. No, I totally agree. I really do. So next scene... I love when you get so passionate, Julie. Oh, thank you. I get so happy and like, just, I just, you guys should know, do they know that like, we don't do this on Zoom. Like it's, we can't see each other right now. We've never been able to see each other when we're doing the podcast. So I just can envision Julie because I know exactly how her hand moves when she's like getting I knew it. you were going to say that. <laughs> yeah, like I just know you so fucking well and I just know exactly what you probably look like right now. 50 high school senior girls descend on Mobile, Alabama every summer to compete for a massive cash prize. It isn't Survivor. It's one of America's most lucrative scholarship competitions for teen girls. It's been around for seven decades. Now you'll hear what took place behind the scenes. From Pineapple Street Studios and Wondery comes the competition. 
Host Shima Oliai was Nevada's contestant 20 years ago. Now she's returning as a judge to find out what two weeks with 50 of the country's most ambitious teens can tell us about girlhood in America. What happens when the competitors are thrown into the deep end with the best and brightest? And how does surviving the competition prepare them for everything that comes after? Follow the competition on the Wondery app or wherever you get your podcasts. You can binge all episodes of the competition early and ad-free right now by joining Wondery Plus. So I know we're all kind of operating at a different skill level when it comes to makeup. Like I have some friends who they do their makeup and it looks like they got it professionally done. I have others who know nothing about any products. And then I would say I'm somewhere in the middle, like by no means am I very skilled, but I think I can hold my own. And in terms of my everyday, I'm just doing mascara, lip gloss, and maybe a little bit of highlighter on my inner corner. So if I'm only using a few products, I need them to be excellent. And I've recently been very into the Thrive Cosmetics mascara, which I'll tell you about in a second, but just in general, a note on the company. For every product purchase, Thrive Cosmetics donates products and funds to help communities thrive, which I just love knowing that I'm buying from a company that does that. And in terms of their mascara, so it's the Liquid Lash Extensions Mascara. You guys have seen that. It's the viral turquoise tube. I've saw it all over social media before I ever started using it. And it's a unique formula that creates tubes around each eyelash to lengthen them. It's also super easy to remove. So it slides right off with warm water. It doesn't leave smudges. And the ingredients are really nourishing. So they support longer, stronger, and healthier looking lashes over time. It really just gets the job done. Like you will see what I mean when you try it. Refresh your everyday look with Thrive Cosmetics, luxury beauty that gives back. Right now, you can get an exclusive 10% off your first order at thrivecosmetics.com slash CBC. That's Thrive Cosmetics, C-A-U-S-E-M-E-T-I-C-S dot com slash CBC for 10% off your first order. Next scene, Kendall and Kylie are play fighting in Kylie's room and Kendall goes, mommy said the FBI was coming and that's why I couldn't get in my room. I think Kimmy's crying. Kylie's like, Kim's crying. Kendall goes, I think. Okay, sorry. I know this was like a two second scene. I was having, I was thinking in my head like, Think about your average 10 and 11 year old younger siblings, like talking about the family drama. The last thing you're thinking is like, the FBI is coming over. Like what? I know it is. It's so crazy. It's so crazy. So in the other room, you know, they're talking about it. And Courtney's like, listen, I don't want you to feel bad and feel like it's your fault. And Kim's like, it is my fault. And she's like, yeah, but we were young. I took the pictures. It's my fault. And Kim's like, everyone has sex with their boyfriend. Everyone takes pictures. And Chris is like, well, not everyone takes pictures. <laughs> Chris, I know you have a sex tape with Caitlin, so don't even play that. I know. Oh, I can't wait till I do that. I really think it's so hot. So FBI arrives and Chris is like, okay, girls, the FBI. No, no, this is the best. This is the best. I did not. I did not enter that with the, with the power it deserves. Chris literally goes, okay, girls, the FBI here is. <laughs> wait, sorry. Say it again. Say it again. You can do it right. I know you can. <laughs> I just got so excited. Okay, first of all, they're all sitting at the table. And Chris looks, she goes, okay, girls, the FBI's here. Look your best. <laughs> it was so good. Well, you walk into a bank. <laughs> how, Julie, how is that not the line that is viral versus the gift that's like, this is the case for the FBI? Because it's so much more like reactionary, like the FBI, but that is the best line. Like <laughs> literally Chris turned into a full on Jewish mother in that moment. It was so amazing. It was so amazing. It was like every, yeah. Oh my God. I just loved every second of that. So, you know, Chris is explaining in the confessional, the FBI comes, they want to e- interview each one of them separately. And Kim's like saying, you know, it's stressful because every single thing that you are saying, they're writing it down. She's like, I want to do it as fast as possible. They can hurry up and they can get out there and find this guy. And Chris goes, as if the Facebook, as if the FBI interviewing my daughters isn't scary enough, I still need to tell Caitlin what's going on. Oh. So Chris tells Chloe, you know, take Kendall and Kylie in to get something to eat. I'm going to tell Caitlin. 
Do you realize how bad the editing is here? No. Because they're getting home. Caitlin's coming home with Kylie and Kendall. Meanwhile, the scene before, Kendall and Kylie are already in the house in their room. Oh, yeah. I didn't even notice that. I literally don't think that I, like, pay attention to that aspect because I'm just... I, I I fully revert back to, like, my first time TV watching self not paying attention to the little parts of reality television that I know now, you know? Yeah, but also we're, like, very different in that regard because I'm, like, annoying and I try to find mistakes in movies and you just don't do that. Yeah. I Which like- is, like... It's like a, a terrible quality that I have because I have to, like, I also like, I have to ruin it for everybody else when I notice it too. Like, I can't keep it to myself. That's such an opposite thing that we have. I like, so don't have that. So Chris is like, okay, Caitlin, she says to Caitlin, she's like, there's been a little situation. Courtney's in the office right now with the FBI and Caitlin goes like, oh, really? She goes, years ago, I did that TV bloopers and practical jokes. The IRS was after me. And Chris is like, no, this is not a blooper or a practical joke. And Caitlin's like, it's not something like that. And she goes, no, I swear to God. And Caitlin says to Courtney, she's like, okay, what's going on now? And Kim is like, for once, it has nothing to do with me. And, you know, Courtney's like, listen, I'm just hoping that Caitlin will be understanding, which like, if we have seen anything, this is literally Caitlin's worst nightmare. Like I was thinking if you were pressed about them taking bikini pictures at Joe Francis's house, like just fucking wait, you know? And by the way, fuck that logic. Oh, I totally agree, obviously. Okay, Kaylin says here, fuck that. Yeah, Kaylin goes, when you're young and stupid, you make mistakes, but in today's society, those mistakes stay with you for the rest of your life. One guy posts one of those shots online and it's there for life. Your grandkids will be looking at them. Like, by the way, do you think you're teaching her some lesson here that she isn't learning in this exact moment? The FBI are literally in their house because somebody is trying to shop them around to magazines and, and tabloids. And you think that like the best time to explain cause and effect of actions is right now? Like she's got it. Like this isn't even like one of those cases where like anything you could say to me, I've already said to myself, like it's not her saying it to herself. It's like the FBI is at your house. She doesn't need a fucking lecture right now. It would be like if this was a meme of like wound and salt, literally. <laughs> like Caitlin is just fucking drenching that wound in salt, you know? Yeah, it's like, I don't know. Like I, I had like a whole speech of like what I wanted Caitlin to say. It just, it was also, I also think the stark contrast between the way that Chris handled it and the way that Caitlin handled it, which I understand, like generally speaking, Caitlin's views are a lot more conservative than Chris. And it's something we've seen throughout this entire season and something that I think we continue to see later on in, in later seasons. But here was not that moment. Like here was the moment where we just need you to be supportive of your stepdaughter and really just like embrace the anxiety and like just provide her a sense of comfort and like we didn't need your lecture right now and if we didn't need it she fucking sure as hell didn't need it you know right like I think that you have as a parent have like two very distinct roles in a situation like this and like one would be like explaining you know what happens like this would have been if you want to have this lecture prior or like when these photos were first taken and no one had seen them or Kim had taken them whatever and you want to have this lecture about like things come back to haunt you fine that's totally the appropriate reaction kids need to know that kids need to learn that whatever but in this moment, you needed to take on the role of protector and be like, listen, what you did is one thing, but like the fact that somebody's trying to exploit you is a whole other thing and you need to go into protection mode. It was so, it was, I felt like it was really um, a misplacement of the blame. You know what I mean? Like, I, yeah, I don't know. It also came across as just like very, like, don't fucking blame her. Like as a vulnerable, as a vulnerable woman who you feel like your body, your, by the way, your child like your 17 year old body is being exposed. 
it's just the last thing you need. And also like, I think I was just taking the, I was just taking this, I was really putting myself in this situation. Like, cause you know, and I was just like, this is not what I would have wanted to hear. You know, <laughs> if you know what I mean. Okay. Um, the other thing that I was going to say, and I don't know if you're going to agree with this statement, but like, it, it's a little bit like maybe thinking too much into the situation, but I kind of understood like how Caitlin's relationship was so strained with her other kids in the sense that like, Caitlin was working and Caitlin was doing the Olympics and Caitlin was doing all these things when they were little. And then by the time that they were kind of older and Caitlin was more involved in their lives, like the judgment that Caitlin has in so many situations, like I think that would be literally unbearable as like a teenager growing up when like, A, your father wasn't there for the first part of your life. So like, why do you have judgment now? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And like, like, especially like if your relationship's already strained and then like the relationship you do have, and I don't know their relationship. I'm just assuming based on the way that Caitlin reacted in this situation and other situations that like, if your relationship is already strained because like, you know, there was a huge aspect of your childhood that you missed because of work or whatever, various reasons that like to be more present when you're older, but the judgment that goes along with having teenagers, I think that would be like, that would strain anybody's relationship, I think. I totally agree. And we, you know, we don't really ever fully, we know from Brody and from Brandon that their relationship has been and is really strained, but we don't know the full details. And that's a really good question reminder if we ever have any of them on the show to ask that. Um, <laughs> who's reminding you? Some, one of you reminded us because you obviously know we're going to forget. forget. Yeah. So anyway, Cor- Courtney says, you know, like, I'm going to call Scott. I'm going to see, you know, he's coming here. And Caitlin's like, does he know about it yet? And Courtney goes, no. And Cam's like, oh God. So Scott arrives and in her confessional, Courtney's like, I hate telling people things because I get really nervous and I smile and laugh. And I don't want Scott to think this is a joke because it's really serious. Oh, I so, hate telling people things too. Yeah. <laughs> so you have a lot of, you have a lot of like certain, certain, not a lot, but you have certain qualities about Courtney that are a little bit similar. I don't mean that negatively, but you do, you know? Because they called her non-emotional in the first half of the episode. Yeah. So Courtney's like, you know, she, she says Scott down. She's like, so, you know, I have sex pictures when I was 17. And Scott's like, no. And Courtney's like, you know, with Jeff, someone's trying to sell them to everyone. And Scott goes, and that was before your boob job. Is that why you're mad? <laughs> oh my God, Scott. And Scott goes, I don't know if you're serious. These dudes are the FBI. They're not wearing very nice suits. And Cam's like, no, it's not. That's a Oh my God. Yeah. Scott's like, if I was a fucking FBI, I would have come in with like a three piece, you know? Yeah. And Caitlin's like, no, it's not a joke. I found that out. And Scott goes, well, that's ridiculous. And Caitlin's like, you know, it's not a joke. And and Scott says, the last thing that I want to see is my girlfriend with somebody else, nor do I want the world to. And Caitlin asks if Courtney's with anyone in them. And Courtney's like, yes, Jeff's in one picture. And Scott goes, all right, I'm getting like a mental picture. I don't want to think about it. That's just disgusting. I'm going to go to the bathroom to throw up. And Courtney and Scott go into the kitchen and Scott's like, so how do you feel about yourself? And Courtney goes, you know, I feel fine about myself. I was 17 and I took pictures with my boyfriend. And Scott's like, you're saying because you were 17, it's not a big deal. And she goes, no, it, it is a big deal. And Scott's like, why do you keep mentioning the age? I don't understand. Like if it was now, you wouldn't be mad. And she's like, I don't know. I'm just saying you do things when you're young that you don't always think about. And Scott's like, I didn't. And Courtney's like, okay, doll, I'm so sure. And Scott's like, I didn't. And Courtney goes, okay. And Scott goes, you know that whatever, not, not even a thing would ever happen with our relationship just for the record. And in her confessional, Courtney's like, I totally get where Scott's coming from. It's just really comforting to know that he's supporting me no matter what. Quickly, I want to mention, I know in that when I'm reading that, as I'm reading the transcript, it sounds like he was being very judgmental, but that was like very much not the vibe from the scene. I felt no, it wasn't. Like, I didn't think that the way he reacted was how I would have wanted him to react. But again, that could be like a 2020 looking at a 2007 situation. Um, but I do think that 
Courtney's concern in telling Scott was that it was going to have some effect on their relationship if it got out. So I think that Scott telling her that like nothing would happen was what Courtney needed to hear in that moment. Right, like all of his other stupid bullshit questions, like giving her a hard time for the first minute, honestly faded the second he said that, which he should have said. And again, this is not me like rewarding men for the bare minimum. I genuinely think that like that was the right thing to say. And also it was funny when he was like, no, I never like basically saying I never did anything dumb. I was like, honey, just wait a fucking year or two. (laughs) Don't speak too soon, you know? So, you know, so Kim is like, okay, just everyone, please say your prayers tonight when we go to bed. I'm so drained. And they're all just saying, like, we want to just get into bed. Chris is like, I just want to get into bed and watch The Bachelor. And they all, you know, Chris says, like, I love you no matter what. They all go to bed. And Chris walks into the kitchen, and that's where Kendall is. And in her confessional, Chris is like, when our family has this kind of drama, it's hardest on the little ones. And so Kendall's asking, like, why was the FBI here? And Chris is like, well, the FBI was here because these are the people that you call when you have a really big grown-up problem, and they come to help. I'll tell you more about it when you're, on, when you're grown up, Okay. And Kendall and like the most mature 11 year old ever is like, okay. <laughs> yeah. Like if it was Kylie though, Kylie would have been like, no, tell me, tell me. You have yeah. to tell me. It really shows. I think Chris could have turned that into a really good learning experience for them, but they may have been a little too young. I think they were definitely too young. You know? I, so, I don't know. Also something that I want to say is when Kim was saying like everyone pray tonight. And this is something the commentators have spoken about in the, about the Kardashians for so long. It's like, this is a family, when they say pray, they really mean it. They are a very religious and like spiritual family. And I genuinely think like they were praying. Like I think every single one of them was genuinely praying with whatever it was, you know, like they don't just say that term loosely. No, I think so too. I agree with you. Yeah. Okay. So the next day, Chris gets a call that they got the guy, the FBI went in the middle of the night. They have everybody that they emailed the pictures to to solicit them to. They have the responses. They have the source of where the pictures originally came from. And it was kind of like best case scenario, especially because according to this timeline, it happened within 24 hours. I don't know if that was really the case, but according to this timeline and, you know, Kim and Courtney are so relieved and Courtney's like, I kept waking up at four in the morning and going on TMZ and Kim's like, I know I'm just in the best mood, no pictures. And Chris's like, I think we've all learned a very valuable lesson. Don't trust anybody. And Kim goes, I want to be learn what most valuable lesson you can learn yeah and kim goes i want to be known to not be messed with seriously i want my lawsuit now the fbi got this right away i want people to know that the kardashians cannot be fucked with which like they're gonna fucking know give us a couple years by the way that was the part where i was saying where i was like i wish like i'm so glad you have the footage of just you saying that because like the way i had it pictured in my head you're gonna laugh was the way i had it pictured in my head was like them doing a, a movie, not a documentary, a movie about Kim, like going from a reality star to a lawyer. And like the, the opening scene was like Kim sitting with her family being like, I just want to be known as somebody who's not to fuck with. And then it's like 10 years later, Kim in court. Yes. That's, that's exactly what it was. That's literally exactly what it was. It was, it was, um, I don't know. Word you're looking for. No, I, I, I I fucking love you. No, I, I did foreshadowing did come to my mind, but I, I was, I was going to say like, it was just very, as a viewer, it was a proud moment, I think, for me, you know? I think so, too. And she has so many of those. Like, there's so many little things that she's pointed out where it's like, even though I know at this point she literally had zero intention of becoming a lawyer, like, zero actual intention of making this come, like, to fruition. There are so many little things that she says where I'm like, oh, if you only knew. Yeah, exactly. And in her confessional, she says, you know, fame has its advantages and it definitely has its disadvantages. And whatever we do reflects on my family. So now I know I have to get it right. So last scene, Kylie and Kendall are in their playhouse and 
Keep in mind, this is the same playhouse that Stormy has. That's it, a fucking trip. No, really, I like, it's too much for me to handle. It really is. Especially because Kylie's been posting so much of that fucking playhouse recently. I know. And, you know? So Kim comes to get them. By the way, the outfits that they were wearing this episode, we didn't even mention, which we should have. Like, the amount of cheetah in this episode was truly, like, genuinely was more than, like, season one Jersey Shore. It was everywhere. Wasn't yeah, it? No, you're right. So she comes to get them. She's wearing these like thigh high boots and this like, I don't even know. And she's like, listen, I know that you guys sometimes don't understand what goes on. And I'm sorry if at school, maybe your friends have said some things to you or come to you and maybe things that you don't know the whole truth about, but you have three big sisters that you can always come to. And when you get to that point and you do like boys, I want you to be able to call me and tell me whenever you want to. And in her confessional, Kim's like, when it really comes down to it, the most important thing in life is family. And it was just like a, a very sweet kind of scene. And you can just see the embrace and like, it's funny because now we think of them as we don't think of Kylie and Kim as the same age, but the age difference seems so much less. Cause like they both have children. They're both fucking almost billionaires. Like this really just showed the age difference. And it was just interesting, like watching the maternal aspect there. Yes. Um, and you know, Caitlin says, listen, it's been quite the year for our family. All the skeletons are out of the closet. I hope, but overall I think we're a lot closer. And Chris is like, we love each other a lot and we have each other's back for sure. And there's nothing like family, especially those crazy Kardashians. Especially those crazy Kardashians. Oh my God, Julie. The fucking ride of my life. Like, oh my, I can't believe we're done with the first season. I am. I cannot believe we're rewatching this. It is. It has been such a gift. It is so much fucking fun. Can I tell you what I'm really not prepared for? What? I'm really not prepared for Chloe and Lamar. I'm not ready to get hurt like that again. I know, especially in the light of the fact that we're already, we're like mid getting hurt with her reunion, like seemingly reunion with Tristan. So it's just going to be a lot. I don't know. I just, I don't know, you guys, this, I hope, I hope that you listening feel this. I say this every time, but I really hope that like you get the same level of joy that we get from watching it and from doing this. It's so much fun. It's such like a nice one hour break. It is such a beautiful high point in my week. And I just love every single one of you so much. I know I don't know you, but I feel like I do. And I'm just so appreciative. Like I really, we we both are. Oh my God, beyond. It's such a crazy experience. We're so, so, so appreciative. And thank you all for caring about this as much as we do. And also I want to say, this is like really not a growth tactic, I swear. But like, I, if you have a public story and you like tag us that you're watching the podcast, I love that. I watch every single one. Even if I don't like open it or respond, I see when you do that and it just okay. makes me happy. So like, dude, I love when people do that. Um, anything you want to add? I don't think so. Let me just end you. Let me just leave you guys with this one. We're obviously going to talk about it next week, but Isabel just sent this to us. Trisha Paytas tweets, Tachi, this is the fucking funniest thing I've ever seen. Tachi crying over her brand not having the best launch. Bitch, nobody cares about me either. So I'm over here fingering my pussy for $5. Get another job. What the fuck? I can't. I can't. I cannot. This Tati, we're not, I promise you we're not going to talk about it now, but this fucking Tati, Shane Dawson, Jeffree Star, James Charles shit is so wild. And like, I literally, I don't care. Like when it happened the first time, I really cared. I don't care at this point because I'm so disgusted by the whole thing. And like, I think just, uh, there's so much to it that I don't even want to get into, but this tweet was just hilarious. Cause like <laughs> Trisha has, it's quite literally the version of like, nothing can cancel me at this point. I like am at the lowest of low. Like I don't give a shit anymore. Like she truly does not give one fuck. And I just feel like she's watching this of like people caring so much. And she's just like, listen, when you literally have nothing to lose, you just do whatever the fuck you want. You know, that's exactly how I feel. Also, like, it's so funny, the contrast between, like, how much we all cared the first time and now it's having the second time. And there are definitely people who still care. But I feel like 
they're all expecting that like people give like as much as they care the first time they care this time. And like, I mean this, like, (laughs) I mean this in the nicest way that a person can mean this. I don't care about any of you. (laughs) Like in the literal slightest bit. And also, I mean, you can't ignore the climate, like, you know, coronavirus and, and how prominent the Black Lives Matter movement is right now, thank God, which is incredible. So that I think people have this thing of like, read the room kind of, you know what I mean? Like the last thing people are really caring about is like the in-depth drama of the beauty world kind of vibe. Um, or at least those were the comments on her YouTube video. Literally, literally there was probably a thousand comments that were like, and by the way, the cops that, uh, killed Breonna Taylor are still not arrested. So like, you know, and like, it it was just, I don't know. I think that was just kind of the general vibe, which I I, I just, I'm sorry. Like like, it's, I, I know you could technically make that argument about any other thing that's going on. Like you can take that argument about any like celebrity drama, anything that's happening. But I think it's a lot different when like other people are reporting on news or other things are happening and they just kind of happen simultaneously. I think the idea of broadcasting your drama and expecting people to care about it and expect people to pay attention to it right now is very different than just like celebrity news being told. It's you cannot compare the two things. Machine Gun Kelly and Megan Fox being spotted in an airport together, like and really like, you know, putting in love, fueling the dating rumors is totally different. And from a news cycle perspective, than Tati making this entire video, bringing up drama from last year that quite frankly, it's just so like, it's so I like the first, I don't want to get into it now because I, I, I really am hesitant to speak on these things until I, one, refresh my memory about what happened the first time because quite frankly, I don't fully remember it. And also I want to wait till Jeffrey says anything just to piece everything together. But like at the bottom line, you are a grown woman. James Charles is a 20 year old man. And like that, that whole thing, I don't think I fully grasped how like weird that was the first time around the fact that you were literally sought out, even though she said she wasn't trying to cancel him that like, you know what I mean? Like it's just so, it's so weird to right. me. It's so weird to me. There's so I much. There. I, we'll get into it more like on the actual podcast because like, it's not even that I want to talk about what actually happened. It's more like I want to talk about the, the situation as a whole. I know. No, I totally agree. And a lot of people were saying like, can you do an emergency episode? Like I just, it, no, we're not no. doing it on this one. I just, yeah. I, the I passion, no, the passion's not there. It's literally doing a disservice. I, this is like so, uh, I don't know. Okay. Anyway, love the fuck out of you guys. We will see you on Monday for our regular episode. I don't think we have a guest, but I guess that could change. And um, let us know anything you want to see here. I don't know. Just tell us things. And if you feel so inclined, please write a review. It really makes our day and helps us a lot. Okay. Love you. Love you. Love you.